Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Big Wade, as we are sitting in today talking about arrows, 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 arrows 101. Everything that you could possibly ever fathomably dream about arrows, we are going to dissect in this podcast. So this is one that you're going to want to subscribe to and listen to over and over and over again. And just a little disclaimer is you're probably going to end up switching some stuff on your current build. We have the master disaster owner and operator, Jake Slungan, and also... One of the mad scientists of arrow build and bows and everything that you could do statistically in numbers, Jason Balach. I mess that up or I get it good? Close enough. He's one of the managers up in the Brainerd location. And he is a, he's our numbers guy. He's our guru. He's the one that actually sits and puts pencil to paper and figures it out. I'm not smart enough. I'm dumb. I just do try by error and then hope that I can remember what the ingredients were. Most of the time, got to tear the arrow apart to figure it out, and then I build it off that. But today, the very first question to be answered is why would these three have any idea? We're not doctors. We're not fairies. We're full-fledged bow hunter, target archers, killers. For example, I uh, I come I shoot a lot of competitive archery, and I've had some pretty successful hunts. Jake, you've hunted 25, 30 states in the United States, plus a lot of provinces, Alaska, Hawaii, Australia. So you have actually what we'd say proof. Shot arrows at a lot of things. Yes. (laughs) Proof is in the pudding. Jason, also very avid hunter. You've hunted quite a few states out west. Yeah, I've eight, eight or nine states now. And then where Jason has a wealth of expertise is when we talked about our testing. So before podcast days and YouTube, there's a notebook that sits up in Brainerd with Jason's name on it that has however many pages of numbers, arrow spine, arrow weight, grains, FOC, different builds. So the knowledge that he has behind it is where we are getting off on the ability to teach you and talk to you and, and give you all the creditability. That's a good word that we could say. So we're behind it, 100%. First and foremost, we're going to kind of break down what arrows are. We're going to talk about spine, front of center, extreme front of center, uh, fletchings. We can even dabble a little bit in broadheads, which isn't as big of a controversy anymore as this FOC phenomenon that's going on. But we might as well just... Uh, Start in and on it as a total. First and foremost, how are you guys doing? Good. Relaxed. You ready doing for great. this? Yeah. Ready to fight a little bit? I hope so. Well, we uh, kind of have the same I'm in a town. lover, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to get under your skin a little bit. <laughs> this is a really good discussion, and, and as we talked about it before, is we don't care what you want to do as long as you have logic behind it. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of it is, you know, what you're comfortable with what you've had success with. And I think more than anything with archery is what you're confident in. You know, when you let it go, if you're confident, you're going to have more success. And I think some guys get turned off as they go to other pro shops other than archery country and they get laughed at. We're not going to laugh at you because we understand we, we deal with twice as many clients as most and we see both sides of the picture. Well, And I mean, end of the day, all of us are running probably something a little bit different, you know? So everybody's got a different preference 
different scenario. You know, maybe you're hunting a little bit different than me. Your range is a little bit different. You know, it's so it's a personal thing, which you have to figure out. But I mean, you can we you can use our expertise and we can kind of steer you down the yeah, path. Yeah, we so can don't... we can listen to you too and mm-hmm. and see what you're kind of doing and point you in a direction that we feel would be you know adequate or the best for you. To give you a little dynamic on why our our setups are a lot different is. I stand six foot one. I weigh a lot, but that has nothing to do with it. But I still shoot only 28 and a half inches, 29 on a good day. So is your wingspan shorter than your height, <laughs> or what's the deal? Well, oh, I'm only six. Well, T Rex. Yeah, see? There's a lot of muscle, and muscle contracts. Well, that's so nice because you know. none of my sweatshirts, the <laughs> sleeves don't fit like that. Shut up. It's not. <laughs> they're designed that way. You can order them. Jeez, and Martha. Anyway, so I'm 28 and a half, 29 inches on my draw length. Jake, you're 30 and a half? 30. It depends. Yeah, somewhere 30, 30 and a half normally. Occasionally, if it's a bow that draw short or if I take my holding weight up, um, I'll get a little bit longer than that. And Jason? Depending on what's out that year, sometimes a 31, sometimes a 33. <laughs> so just what do you measure at? Like if you if, had perfect, perfect world scenario, what would your bow be? Um, I would say the Matthews Atlas last year at 33 and a half was the best feeling bow I've drew, 33 drawn back. 33 and, felt, and a half. Felt like settled in and comfortable with. Good night. But on your testing... You're a good enough shot that you've tested 29, 28 inch bows, yep. 31, 32, 34 inch bows. Like you've done all that. <clears throat> so when we really dissect into numbers, we you have something to go off of on that. And that plays a lot. For those of you listening that don't understand, the longer your draw length, you're going to increase, you're going to get speed, you're going to get things built up, you're going to have... It's it's not just a positive, it's also a negative. Yeah, it is for tuning especially. Yeah. I mean... Bear shaft tuning for me past 20 yards is an issue because I'm I've got a lot of margin of error. Well, and that's this the thing is we intensify your flaws mm-hmm. a ton. Well, and I think the other thing is is most of the form? no, <laughs> I think most of the bows are like the cam centered for 28 to 29. When you rotate that cam farther, I mean, at least I see more. You're shimming bows more. Right, you know, because it's rotating it farther, putting more pressure on that limb. That limb's coming farther around than if it's stopping at twenty-seven. Or yeah, so it's a good and a bad deal in the same sense. Have an extremely long draw length. <clears throat> but back to arrows. First and foremost, uh, there's so many things pertaining to an arrow, and ninety percent of this podcast is going to be hunting arrows. We can dabble a little bit with target arrows, but I think after you start hearing to us, us three specifically talking is we always go back to our target archery setup because those guys if you want to become one of the best in your in your form or your trade of archery go talk to a target archer because they have it all figured out i I would say let me correct that a successful target archer yeah but i target archer you know i also don't set up my target arrows like my hunting arrows. No. Right. Philosophy-wise, anything. Cause but what I'm getting at is you have the knowledge. Like, you know why you would set yes. it up that way. Yep. No, I, you understand. Then, <clears throat> you know, I think field archery is probably... Field archery and shooting, a, like, competitive 3D where you're keeping track of scores. So you're, mm. you're trying to 
you know, really take that margin and error and make it as big as it can be to right. get those points is probably one of the best things you can do to figuring out where your forgiveness and your bow hunting setup is too, as far as hitting your mark. Exactly that. So that we won't really dabble on target arrows as much. Um, might be a different podcast when we get into that, you know, might bring on like the Sawyer Sullivan's and something else to, to help us through that. But we've built his arrows for a long time. So it wouldn't be what, when you take a look at an arrow, okay. The average Joe Schmo that walks into the archery shop and they look at all of our plethora of arrows one thing that you're going to see is they have numbers on them from 500, 400, 350, 300, 250. That is not the weight of the arrow. That is the spine. The spine correlates to deflection under load, the stiffness, I guess you could say. Any, am I saying that wrong? No. So, so when you take, when you say dynamic and static spine of an arrow, you can measure an arrow just if, if somebody had an arrow in their hand and they're flexing it, like, like it's an idea, a spine tester, that's a, a static spine. But when you put that arrow under load from your cams going to your, your limbs, to your cams, to the string, when you put load on that arrow, it has to be a certain stiffness for it to actually fly correctly and safely. So what, how that is all measured, how do you figure out your spine? It's going to correlate to your draw length, which correlates back to your arrow shaft length, and then also how many pounds you're shooting. So somebody who shoots a 30-inch draw and shoots 77 pounds is not going to be able to shoot the same arrow as somebody like my wife who has a 24-inch draw and shoots 37 pounds. It does not work. Now, could she shoot his arrow? better than he could shoot hers he wouldn't be able to shoot her arrow because it's not safe there's too much load on that and it's probably too short and too short yeah so that's how you figure out your spine there's awesome spine charts <laughs> back in the day <laughs> so you have to know your spine that is the very first thing that's going to come before you pick out your color before you pick out your what you even want as small diameter and so on and so forth. Spine is the number one thing that you got to look at. And if you don't know it, you can look it up on tune charts. And if, and first and foremost, you can just ask us and we can tell you pretty much right off the bat. That's going to help your arrow recover faster and tune the best. Now, the second steps of arrows, and you guys chime in at any time, is there are different diameters. Forever and ever and ever and ever there wasn't. But now, the day you go, what were the Easton game getters back in the day? Oh, they would, would go from... over 2219s is what I shot. Yeah, that was super popular one, but they would go from probably like a 1916 in a, in a hunting style up to, you could probably get a 20, I, I think they made them in a 2419 maybe. And that's you're pertaining yeah. to everything's based on like a 64 scale. So yeah. the fattest arrows We're made are 27, 67s, yep, 64s. For yep. um, that's for target archery. You'd never hunt with them. And then you work your way down. The smallest arrows on the market is a 4 millimeter, which is going to be a 166, 0.166 inside diameter. Yep. And then to, pertaining to your spine, because it goes back to wall thickness, on what your OD would be. What, what's four, okay, scientists, what's four millimeter in a fraction form of 64th? If 27 64ths are biggest, 
four millimeter, then we step up to a five millimeter. Mm-hmm. And then from five millimeter to there are is six millimeter, 19 series. Six millimeter. Somewhere in mean, there. I don't know. I'll I'll just figure it out here. Aerosai shooter 166 and 204 and 245. So 0.29 on that. All right. So we got, you, you have your series, four millimeter, five millimeter, six millimeter, 19,000 series, 19 series, 1964s. And then 21, as you were saying, 22, 16s, 20. There's a plethora. But now you pretty much are down to three for a hunting shaft. Yeah, with carbon arrows, which, I mean, there's very, very few guys hunting with an aluminum arrow anymore. A true aluminum arrow. Yeah. There are yeah. some arrows out there that will have a yeah, carbon a full core. metal jacket or, yeah. Yeah. At East T-64 we shot, uh, played with. That's a carbon arrow core with an aluminum jacket on jacket it, yeah. exactly so those are kind of your sizes on that your spine is still consistent though no matter what size arrow you're going to shoot the only time that you have to worry about your spine let's say that you're out you've been shooting for 10 years and you're a 60 to 65 pound archer with a 29 inch draw length you have a 350 spine arrow you can run that spine for as long as you want no matter if we're cutting them shorter or longer until you start adding weight to the front end or get extremely short or right you know yeah. in, in the extremes on them but so let's talk a little bit about that how do we change the spine of an arrow how do i make if i had a 350 spine shaft if i cut off the front end the point end of the arrow i stiffen the shaft if i add more weight to the point end of the arrow i weaken the shaft yeah, and then on the add more weight to the back end of the arrow. The knock end. You stiffen it. Start stiffening it. Stiffen yeah. it. So you, you can change that. You know, let, let's say some of our short draw guys that have a 24-inch carbon-to-carbon shaft, your 350 now automatically changes into like a 280 mm-hmm. if you're not doing anything to it. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have to kind of, spine is a big thing. Yeah, and it's super important now too, and as we get into arrow weights later, with all the different spine components, you just can't look at the standard chart anymore and say, okay, I'm 29 inches, shooting 63 pounds, I'm going to shoot a 350, and then I'm going to put this heavier insert in there. Because as soon as you put that heavier insert in there, you're not standard anymore. You know, you're breaking that down, you exactly. need to go heavier. Exactly. So that's spine. We might as well, since we're talking arrow, uh, I don't, this is where beliefs are going to be come in. Uh, the, the biggest thing I'd say in the last year and a half is extreme FOC or FOC builds, which stands for front of center. Okay. Putting more weight on the tip end of the arrow is front of center. So for a long time, we didn't even worry about percentage, but I would say probably for the last 10 years, my percent FOC was around eight, nine, 10. Yeah. Cause I didn't, the it wasn't. Arrow was and now we have that. FOC guys who are 16, 17, 18. And then we have extreme FOC guys who are 21, 22, 23% of their arrow is, is front of center weight. Now, I, Dr. Ashby and the reports on that, the Ranch Ferry guy, does he even have a real name? Do you, do you know his real name? Oh, yeah. 
we'll find it and put it in there. But so they're the extreme FOC, <clears throat> and they also talk about heavy arrow builds, taking your standard four hundred grain arrow and now shooting six six fifty six eighty, some even more than that, with extreme front of center. Their philosophy, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, their philosophy is you're going to have a lot less wind drift and your arrow transfers energy. Somehow, they say the point pulls the arrow. Now, I will sit here, and, and again, we do not care which way you go, that we're just telling you what we've seen. I don't think that, I think that's a bunch of hogwash. I don't think your point pulls your arrow at any time in the transfer. If you're shooting at 10 yards, or if you're shooting 120 yards, there's no, the transfer of energy isn't like a magic, like we talked about before. It's not, it doesn't have a propeller and it's going, okay, I'm going to go from the end of the arrow all the way to the front of the arrow. Now I am not a scientist. Another thing that we're going to talk about is there is a call for heavier arrows and heavy FOC for certain situations. We're not going to go there yet, but a lot of these reports and a lot of these guys that are coming out with this phenomenon measuring contest or whatever you want to call it, they're shooting at controlled distances. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's hard to find someone who shot aluminum arrows that were six, 700 grains for a long time that wasn't jacked when we got some carbon arrows that were lighter. Oh, yeah. We weren't missing as many deer that are building that heavy of a setups again. Um, not saying there's not a place for it, not saying there isn't, but I think that, that will get down that wormhole yep. <laughs> a little bit later. Um, but I, I would agree that, you know, there, there's a lot of interest in it right now. There is. And we had, I had personally, I, like I had to learn so that I didn't sound like a mannequin talking when guys would come in. Like, so I even, I had to test it. There's a couple 600 grain, 600 plus grain arrows in my basement that will never, ever, ever, ever leave my basement, but I had to test them. I had to see what my inch drop was at 30 yards versus 50 versus 70 to prove to myself what I was trying to relay in a message. Now, for an example, you know, like we talked about situations, if you're in North Dakota hunting over bait, and it's 17 to 20 yards, like that's a controlled environment. You're not probably going to shoot over that. There, there is a, yeah, I don't a think, spot. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any argument that a heavier arrow isn't going to out-penetrate a lighter arrow. I, I, every one of us agrees yeah. that the heavier arrow is going to out-penetrate the light arrow. It's just going to depend how much velocity do you want to give up for that penetration and how much do you have to give up for your setup and how much yardage forgiveness you're willing to give up. Yep, exactly. And the thing is, is so I I agree with what you're saying, but okay. So how far past the point of impact do you want to go look for your arrow is what I'm getting at. No, I agree with you, you know, and, and I also think that it comes down to there's been less conversation lately with these heavy arrows about ethical shots too like like to me and this is opening up a can of worms (laughs) but to me like i'm not going to take a shot quartering towards me into the shoulder 
like you're just you, you're going to get some heartache no matter what you have for narrow setup at some point you know to me it's still waiting for a broadside shot waiting for you know quarter and away shot putting the arrow where it needs to be you know and, and my setups are still going to be the arrow that i can put in the spot i want to put it in the most that's my number one criteria and the biggest thing <clears throat> is guys will have no problem coming in and dumping a buttload of cash on a bow, arrows, release, but won't spend a nickel on learning how to shoot it or shoot it correctly. And that's, I think, where you're getting is you have to be ethical. Just because you got this mad scientist that tells you to go and get a 650-grain arrow doesn't give you the right to take a head-on or a quartering shot or, or to aim for the shoulder. Because I'll stand here, and Jake can contest, and Jason as well. If you hit the ball joint of a shoulder, even if it's a white-tailed doe, you're going to hear a crack. Yep. And things, you're not going to get the, I mean, you might penetrate a little bit better with a big cut on contact. but you're, Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not even going to go as far as saying that you're never going to, with a heavy arrow set up, shooting a cut on contact, that you're not going to go through shoulders. Because with the right setups and the right things, you might. But you're still going to have more heartache. Like, you're still going to run right. into more situations and a higher probability where things don't work out in your favor. Yep. And you're, you know, you're looking for deer that you're not finding. So on the, op- the flip side of that, you are an accurate archer. Even with today's range finders, and even if we stepped up forth and had a range finding sight, like a Garmin, Right there's less chance of mistakes in your yardage. So maybe you can dabble that way. But if you're, if you're an avid hunter, you've been in a situation where you may know that trails at 35 yards, but you don't know when he's standing in the CRP, if that's 42 or 47 with your extreme heavy arrows and FOC, 600 plus grains, I can prove to you, we've proved it on paper, at 47 yards versus 42, there's a a very big drop. You know, you're saying 10 to 13 inches depending on your speed, where if you're a little bit lighter arrow build, you're going to have a much more minimum drop. You have more room for error. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I agree, and I think think that's somewhat... We should, probably should describe what we're talking about, too, because when we're talking about light arrow builds, like five years ago, if we were talking a little bit lighter arrow build, we'd have been talking like 350, 370 grains. Like that's our a little bit lighter because probably the normal was probably 390 to 410 with standard carbon arrows for a lot of guys. Well, now, and, and none of us are even talking that light. No. Like, no. like we're all talking, you know, and we all have our preference. My preference is 430 to 450, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, I consider that like a moderate build. Like, not super light, yep. but not towards the heavy side at all. And that's a perfect example for explanation, okay? the Every year a bow comes out, it has an IBO or an ATA speed. That's based, again, on 70 pounds at 30-inch yep. draw with a 350-grain arrow, which works its way back to five grains per inch on the arrow that's on the verge of being like that's that's this minimum that's the light side that's yeah so 350 to 390 
for your 70 pound shooter. That's an extremely light build in my mind. Yep. No, I would agree with that. Uh, you may see it in target archery, but I don't think you see it a lot. Any, like you said, back a couple of years ago, we yeah, not anymore. I mean, we've seen it for, I mean, there was a time we would see a lot of guys coming in 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there was a lot of guys coming in. There was even a time when there was a lot of like 57 to 75 grain broadheads on, on the tip of carbon arrows. And those were probably 330 grain setups Mm -hmm. and guys were shooting, shooting deer and having success with a lot less efficient bows than now too. And that's just the thing is, is every gear that we, the bow manufacturers keep breaking limits is we're having bows that can do some scary, cool stuff. Uh, not only as a speed, but just efficiency. I think that word over gets overlooked a lot, but we're not here to talk about bows because whatever you decide to do with your arrow, one, you got to be an accurate archer. You have to be ethical, but you also, a tuning is a big thing. If you, if you run a 700 grain arrow or a 370 grain arrow, if your bow is not tuned, properly or at least even a half-assed attempt to get it proper you're not your your arrow is going to hit the target sideways yeah well then you're robbing everything that you're trying to do anyways yeah it doesn't matter how much momentum you have if it's not behind the point of the arrow yeah and that's lost all your advantage and that too like goes back to when we talked about target hunting setups like my hunting setups i air towards a stiffer arrow for for one a little bit easier to get a broadhead to fly on them um, but number two, when you hit, I think you lose less energy with a little bit stiffer shaft than if you're too light and things are kind of going a little squirrely on the way in. Now you're saying stiff or weak. Yep. Like, not, so if uh, I'm on the line between the two, you're edging on, the I'm stiff edging side. on the stiff side of my hunting, setup. which I think is the best. You can always yep. be stiff. Yeah. Uh, never be too weak for an example, going to target archery for like our indoor arrows or even 3d control distance. We're talking 150 to 220 grain or a spine arrow. That's super, super stiff. Not talking about the Eastons, uh, the aluminums, because that's a whole different ball yeah. of wax. But like, if you, if guys say you can't tune an extremely stiff arrow, then obviously you've never shot an extremely stiff. Yeah, arrow and I think you got two totally different objectives when you're target shooting and when you're hunting. Yeah, like for me, when I'm target shooting, like. On arrow build. On arrow build. Like, I want it to bear shaft tune. I want it, like, to feel good about everything and fuzzy and warm that everything's perfect. But at the end of the day, I play around a lot. And I'll take an arrow build that maybe doesn't tune perfect but groups better at times over something that, like, is the magic tune. Where On, on your target bow? On my target bow. Okay, yep. You know, because all I care about is the group size there with a field tip, you know, that's, that's the only thing that matters. Oh, absolutely. You group know. tuning, group tuning is like the final step, yep. especially and, on our field bows. Yep. And then, you know, but when we're talking a, a bow hunting setup, you know, that, that becomes a different thing because the bear shaft tuning becomes more important in my eyes. It, Cause if you want to have the ability to shoot different broadheads, you know, to, you know, shoot a fixed head to shoot a mechanical head to kind of switch back around, you know, like the tune, the perfect tune through the the paper and all that stuff, I think becomes a, a little more important. 
So, now nah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, paper tuning. Paper tuning is a really good start, but there's more to it on your for bow hunters, in my mind, especially fixed blade bow hunters. There's oh, yeah, more that, than a paper. That's tuning. another another worm because yeah, no, I agree 100. Yep. percent Shooting your broadheads. Yep. And then I, I'd say the other thing that is a, a big mistake that I see is everybody's scared to to waste any of them. Yeah. So they take one out of their pack. They shoot one broadhead out with their field tips. If it hits good, they're good. And I don't know how many different times on fixed blade setups where I have three or four fixed blades out, one of them flies great. These other three don't fly so good. So, you know, that that can give you some false reads too. You know, like I don't shoot fixed blades a whole lot. I shoot them elk hunting. You know, most other game I shoot expandables for my preference. But, like, I'll take my elk hunting heads and I'll shoot them. I'll, I'll group with, with three or four of them, make sure they're going good. And the ones I hunt with, I shoot them all once at 50, and I shoot them all once at 80, and I number them. And the ones that hit the best at 80, they're my one, two, three in the quiver, yeah. and, and I number right right from there and then resharpen them and, you know, at least touch them up a little bit. And we're talking, now remember, rewind 15 seconds. We're talking about tuning. Mm-hmm. There's more than just paper. So at Archery Country, it works out really good because you have some knowledge, very knowledgeable staff and we, we carry some very, very, very great bows as far as being able to tune to the shooter. The moment that we're done with the paper is basically, okay, now we can start our sight-in process, but there's more to it. it can, you can take it if as extensive as you want or not yeah and i would i would say that would also have to do with what your setup is you know because mm-hmm. that changes for me uh, like if i'm shooting my whitetail setups which are normally bigger expandables um i paper tune i might shoot a bear shaft down there i might not because it, it really doesn't matter i'll shoot a couple mechanicals after that if they're all flying good well, you know time to move on you know, and just practice. But if I'm shooting a fixed head, then I probably take a little more time shooting those fixed heads. You know, if the fixed heads aren't hitting with my field tips, then you're able to do some shimming and some different stuff to get it there with a newer bow. Like there's some bows, <laughs> you know, and that's the disclaimer there. If if there, we can only do so much. If the bow allows us yeah. to move things on a lot of the newer bows, we can do that now. Yeah. Um, but there's some bows that there, you there's know, one your sight and sight in. I'm not going to say the name. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if Jake works on it, Jason or Wade or Dan or Buck or whoever. There is going to be a high left tear. And that bow will, that's exactly what it does. Every single time. Paper. You can still shoot that bow accurate, but the bows are getting better. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we go any further down and start arguing about broadheads, which I'm going to argue with you on, back to our arrows. The positives of, you guys didn't tell me your philosophy on FOC, front of center. Uh, there's a calculator out there. You, this is all accessible to most people yeah, if, they ha- if they can get on the internet. Yeah, if like, you search it, there's hundreds of different calculators out yeah. there. Yep. Easton has one, gold tip. Okay, so FOC. What's your ideal FOC percent in your mind? The scientist, Jason's going to talk now. Uh Target arrow? Nope. Hunting arrow. Hunting arrow? Yep. I like about between 13 and 15%. J- Jake? Mm. It's not, not as easy, 
other than that one for me. Because well, not everybody has seven bows and seven different arrow sets. Well, they could. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will sell seven bows to anybody. Um, it, it's a little bit of a loaded question for what I because it's not as simple as like this is the FOC I'm shooting for. Okay, explain for me. Like I know where I want to be with my arrow weight for my performance, um, and that's going to change from what I'm hunting. And it, it, it probably a little backwards, to be honest with you, from what most people think. So, like, if I'm going on elk hunt, like, I like to be 430, 4 to 440. Uh, I want to make sure, you know, I have a long enough draw, shooting 70 pounds. I want to make sure I'm around that 300 foot per second mark. Uh, more for the forgiveness of, of, of drop. You Yardage. Know? Yeah, yep. especially elk, because, like, when you're... Elk hunting, September, you get in a herd, the bull's screaming, there's 14 cows around you, you can't move, you can't range, you know, you range that bull, you pull back, he takes three steps, he's 10 yards in three steps. Uh, I think that's probably the hardest game as far as the yardage part of things. Uh, so I, I, you know, I shoot a fixed broadhead, you know, for the penetration thing, but the speed's really important to stay in that range for me on an elk hunt. Um, I've ran heavier setups and and have struggled more with heavier setups with that with with drop uh, for for whitetails and tree stand. I run a Garmin site wherever it's legal, so it doesn't be come as important for me. Even if I'm not running a Garmin site on a deer hunt, like most of the time, other than mule deer. Um, you know, like a whitetail hunt, most of the time you're in a tree stand, you're in a blind, you have a little more controlled situation, you know, it's, they're not a herd animal, you know, most of the time things happen a little bit slower, you have a little better idea, you know, then I'll, I, I, I like to write a, you know, use a lighted knock, I, I like to use a bigger broadhead, you know, a mechanical broadhead, so then I, I'm okay with being in that 450, 460, maybe even 470 side of things on that just because I, I feel like I have a little more forgiveness with it. Now that goes back to the FOC side of it is knowing that I want to be in those certain areas with, with my arrow weight to me is probably more important to have the arrow shaft. I want to shoot for durability wise than going super light and not having as durable of a shaft and bumping my FOC up to do that. Um, because like, you know, I could shoot a thin walled arrow and shoot a super heavy insert and get my FOC up, but I actually think that's a little bit detrimental because my, it's horrible. my, my arrow is not horrible. as strong. So <clears throat> like I really struggle with the FOC part of things and how important <laughs> it is because, you know, on the target archery side of things. You're not seeing anybody shooting super heavy FOCs. No, 10 to 12%. Yep, and and they're shooting, I mean, accuracy is everything, you know, for them. In the wind, in the elements, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, they're hitting a two-inch dot at 90 meters. Yep, and I I personally don't believe in your penetration that it matters where it's at in that arrow. You know, if everything's tuned and that arrow's coming in straight, like... The knock is following the point. I think it, it matters that arrow weight is is what's going to determine your penetration with your speed squared. And that brings like, up a perfect thing. So there's heavy arrow builds, and then there's extreme FOC, extreme FOC builds. Don't get the two confused. 
because if you want a 21% FOC, take a lighter shaft or lighter GPI, which is grains per inch shaft, and then boost up your your insert weight in 100, 150, 200 grains, and then a 200 grain point. I guarantee you, it's math. Math doesn't lie as much as I hate math. Your FOC will be higher. Yep. But where's the trade-off? Now I have an extremely light arrow shaft with that's brittle. Mm-hmm. My knocks are going to probably blow up at some point. Like you got to, you have to do a lot. Why would you go that route? Where a lot of our customers coming in, it's it's okay to build a heavy arrow setup. So your six hundred. Let's just let's use the average of a six hundred. In my mind, anything over five hundred and twenty-five grains is heavy. Yep. Yeah, so, I'll, 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 I'm going to finish my FOC thing quick. Okay. And I know it was long here. Well, it's good. But, but my other part of that is like now we're getting to the component side of, of to get that FOC. Like I also think that's a balance. Like, you know, like I want to have a component that's strong. That's, that's number one. Yep. You know, I want to make sure that it's not going to bend when I'm hitting stuff, if I'm practicing with it, if I'm hitting an animal. But at the same time, I'm not going to have – a super heavy component because it's going to get me out of the weight range. I want to, I want to be in. So that also, gotcha. you know, that also is, is where I'm doing that, you know, and I'm actually shooting close to the same setup for, for both elk or white tails playing a little bit with the component, a little bit with the arrow. So you're really, you really don't say, okay, I want 17% F percent FOC. You don't, you're, no, you're not I, building your setup for FOC. I'm you're building it building for total for, arrow weight. More total weight total arrow weight and a strong setup to do that. You know, if okay. I can get durability. Yep. You know, and I'm going to air towards if I can do that with a little higher FOC, I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to take my strength of my arrow, the strength of components. I'm not going to deter those to make FOC higher. You know, and then the other thing is like, you know, for me, like I really like to shoot a light and knock so that I think a 204 diameter, you get a better component for a light and knock than a 166. Mm -hmm. So that also determines that a little bit. And 204 would be equivalent to your five millimeter or like a, um, an Eastern axis or a victory rip TKO. That's a 204 diameter. The rip TKO, any any of those. Yep. I mean, my go-to is, is the rip TKO for the durability and component wise of it. Yep. So I guess, you know, there's my FOC thing a little Mm -hmm. bit. So, you know, and again, like I still think it comes down to whatever you're confident in. You know, if if you're confident in a 22% FOC and you're having success with it, great. Like that's the arrow you should be doing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also like understanding why you're in those areas you know like yeah don't just follow a a trad don't don't follow something just because it's cool or you see some celebrity hunter do it like get a just break down a little bit of knowledge a 10 minute conversation at the pro shop you're you then you would understand where you want to be um let's talk about some of the positives of a heavy arrow build then the negatives and then we'll go to the positives of a moderate and then if there are any negatives to that <laughs> and then the positive and negatives of a light arrow build okay heavy arrow build in that 600 green 550 to six and beyond and up yep the positives of it 
slower. <laughs> I said no, the I mean, positive. The positive. That is though. Like <laughs> if if you want to have an easier way to get your fixed blade to fly. Okay. Yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A big thing is it's it, it will make your bow quieter. Yep. Will make your bow quieter. Your ability to penetrate. Yep. Penetration's up. You're probably going to have the strongest setup you're going to have. So as far as integrity of yep. the yep. arrow, okay. Yep. Because you're going to, by bumping up that arrow weight, you're probably starting with a heavier arrow, which is probably stiffer spine. St- stiffer. And yep. you're probably doing a really heavy component. So you're ended yep. up with even a stiffer arrow to do that. Which would be a stainless steel yep. or a titanium, yep. whatever yep. it may be. So you're probably your strongest, your strongest arrow available is going to be heavier pertaining to the the quieting your bow down it's it, we don't have a decimal reader but it, yes it quiets your bow down it changes the way your bow feels too because i've you know okay felt like vibration is that what you're and saying? like i would also like it changes the feedback from your bow like i built some really heavy setups that i was playing around with that was probably dang close to 700 grains two years ago and I still have them around, and I shoot them through my bows every once in a while just to to tinker around. And I think it almost like when you get that heavy, it's almost like it kicks your bow back a little bit. Uh, and it sounds crazy. No, you no. can but, feel that. But I think it, it changes, like it changes your bow feel. Okay. Uh, I guess and I don't never... know if that's a positive or a negative. <laughs> right. But... I mean, you you buy a bow for the feel mm-hmm. most of the time and it's not just the draw but it's also the shot do you think in your mind that the deer jumps the string or the deer jumps the arrow sound i'll tell you what i think i don't think it has anything to do with your bow this th- th- today in 2022 doesn't matter what brand that you go with i think you may have a deer if you're within 35 yards a deer may react because okay, it's it's um, their natural instinct to react to flinch, yeah, to flinch, just like right? if something hits the floor behind you. This is my if if I if a, a deer is eating, its head is down, or it's sniffing a trail, or whatever it may be doing, and it if my bow goes off, it may be a a head raise or an ear, but the duck is they're naturally programmed to get out of the way of sound coming towards them. I would argue that. You think it's the bow? I think it's the bow. I think they can hear that. You know, if the arrow's making noise too, it probably doesn't help the thing. But I, I think it's the bow because I also think like, and this is in in my own experience, like it seems like forty and in, that deer can freak out at times. You know, like dead, turn inside like dead out. quiet. Like it can turn inside out, and then like you get to like forty to seventy or forty and beyond. And they don't freak out quite as bad. Like the bow goes off, and you know the arrow's making just as much noise for a longer period of time, even. And they won't jump. They won't jump the string nearly as bad. There, so. there was a podcast that was released that Jason and I listened to, and I don't. I'm not going to name names because I'm. It's it's their podcast, and it is what it is. But there, there was a guy who tried this on in Africa on antelope. Um, is it a gazelle or one of those really, really high strung, like, ding. <laughs> and he took a target and put it in the backside behind the blind. And he had this all on video. And then they, he had, so he would shoot at the target away from the animal and they may raise their head, but they never scattered or flinched or ducked. And this is on video. 
and then he would shoot at the animal and you could see the drastic difference. So that's where my philosophy is that they're, they're programmed to get out of the way of sound coming to them. Now, will they duck a string, which is in, in retrospect, that is the sound of the bow, right? Yeah. I think some of the reaction is that, but is it the total package? Yeah, I can't say I've ever shot the opposite direction of animals. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we should try it. Not a, not a thing I've ever been. No, I've never tried that I've one. afforded the luxury of wasting opportunities at uh, a game animal to shoot the other way. I would no, that's, habit, that's what I love about <laughs> anything with arrows because it's nothing but controversy. Yeah. I, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so okay there's a positive we gotta get back on track here the positives of heavy arrows it's gonna quiet your bow may change the feel of your bow a little bit uh you're you guys think it has a little bit more penetration that's probably proven well let's talk to the man did, did you do did you do your penetration test and what did you do it on uh, we did we vxr and when the knockdown bow came out the we, first one, the NTN? Yeah, okay. we tested about 17 different arrows, all different weights, all the way from RIP XVs to what was the heaviest was probably a Access 260 with brass inserts. Okay. And then were you shooting into foam or yeah. was it in that you were just measuring penetration? Yep. Okay. So that's the positives. Okay. Negatives of a heavy arrow build. Tuning. Okay. Tuning. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe it depends on how you get that heavy air build. Well, so like, like yeah, so 400 grains, 500 grains in insert and point weight becomes yeah. a little more challenging. to tune. Oh, a lot more challenging to him. But I mean, just bow wise, let's say you have had this bow for 20 years and you listen to a podcast and walk in the archery shop. I need 700 grain arrows. Yeah. The probability of that bow being able to shoot those arrows well is, I mean, it's not, it's not good. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of work. It might not be possible. Right. In my mind, the heavy arrow has got to be steered more, not, not, okay, corrected. To correct it faster, you have to have bigger vein profile, more vein profile. Uh, like you almost have to run it like you're running a fixed blade. No, I think too, when you're, when you're, you know, I think a heavy arrow build can be two different things. Cause you could have a, a super heavy arrow, like an extortion or something where the arrow is actually weighing a bunch. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of guys now are coming in with like a moderate arrow weight or even sometimes a very light arrow weight and trying to put a ton of insert weight on it. Yeah. And I think that's when things become a little bit more challenging because now you're, you're talking so much weight up front that FOC is so high that things want to flex more. Yeah. That's where I would say your tuning issues, your, your tuning issues come in very, very severe. One, you're going to have to stiffen your spine if you're adding a ton of weight up front. Right. So that's going to correct it a little bit, but your paradox of your arrow flex changes so much from a heavy arrow build to an extreme FOC build, two different animals. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, it's just touchier, you know, your, your room for forgiveness is probably a little less. So it's going to take some more, some more messing around. Um, and it's probably too, you're going to have a bunch of money 
into arrows to do this right like it, it's and not a, gonna, ton, and a ton of time testing yeah no and i think that's that's just one of the things that you know people should realize with that too uh, is you know that you're going to get more penetration with that heavy arrow build um you know if that's what you're looking for quieter bow all those advantages and you're and saying what you that because do. it carries momentum or kinetic energy yep, yep it's, mm-hmm. it's gonna yeah you're gonna have more <laughs> kinetic energy no you're going to have well, more momentum. Okay, more, more momentum. momentum. More momentum. Yep, you're right. I know what you're saying there because <laughs> of the speed square. Yep. Um, but you also, I think your tolerance for for the time it's going to take monkeying around and then also the investment because you're talking, you know, more expensive components. You're talking more This would arrows. be a negative thing. I don't even know if it's, I mean, it, it is a negative if, you're, yep. if, you, if you don't want that. If, if you're going to yep. enjoy the, the messing around with it, maybe yep. it is, yeah. it's fine. Oh, gotcha. yep. um, it but just so you know that going into it. Yep. That's the biggest thing I know. This is the guys who are really into that or go down that rabbit hole. They're willing to go down that rabbit hole very deep to get the results. Wow. Yep. And you have to be. They're I mean, in you, yep. and you so have and to be really willing yep. to go down that rabbit hole. The tough part is when someone has six arrows and six of this component that they want to shoot yeah and it's that heavy and that might not be possible in that yeah. configuration and they right. don't want to they don't want to go farther with it well yeah. your room to your chance of hitting that right on the spot there i mean when you're talking those extremes there's no charts to go off of right and everything is so finicky that you don't have as much room to play so your chance of hitting it right on your first time just goes down and I think another negative, one of the biggest negatives about a heavy arrow or extreme FOC, which correlates to a total arrow weight heavier, is your room for error on yardages. If you're a 35 and yard and under whitetail hunter or hog hunter or over bait where it's regulated, then you can get away with it. If you go even even i I would i I would argue against that because like i think there's a lot of room for air between 20 to 35 yards so you're arguing in my favor but you're just shortening the yardage down yeah i think i think like to really not be giving up anything or or much on the forgiveness side of of yardage like you got to be a 20 yard shooter 25 yard in shooter like you start talking a deer coming through and you don't know it's 27 or if it's 20 or if it's 23 or if it's 32, if you're shooting a 700 grain arrow yep, and you're off five yards, it's you're probably, missing. it's probably over. Yep. Yeah. You're missing. So there's a negative on a heavy arrow build is you have to be within a certain yardage or know your yardage exactly. Also yeah, I mean, takes a hell know, of a long time for that arrow to get there. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, you know, back to the, the yardage thing we'll get to that but you know archery is a a game of inches yep. and it's all about distance i mean that's what makes archery harder than shooting a rifle because a rifle i mean obviously there's a lot of things different but probably the main thing is ballistics like you know if that deer's within 300 yards and you're holding the crosshairs dead center on its chest you're probably going to kill that deer you're not worried about yardage a whole yep. lot well, archery is a game of five yards, three, you know, depending on your setup, three yards, seven yards, whatever it is to have that, that air. Of here's, here's an example for you. Okay. On the, the, there's three left of those arrows that I built that are extremely heavy. There's 672 grains total. 
they are completely loaded up with a lighted knock. They got a big um, three-inch vein on it. They have a 125-grain point with a 100-grain insert. Like, it's, it's a big, big, heavy arrow build. At 60 yards, and I have pictures that I can attach to this if people want. At 60 yards, being off five yards on my pin was a 12-inch drop. 12 inches on your mule deer size and under animals or big white-tailed buck in the Midwest, you're not, you didn't hit the animal. Mm -hmm. So, and I I don't want this to sound like, like this is a rip on heavy arrows or whatever else. Cause like, I, I truly believe like whatever you want to shoot and are comfortable with and confident in, and, and there's an advantage to heavy arrow. Like that's what you should do. Last year that, not the, not last year, but the last year I'd shot a heavier setup for out west. Um, I had a big six-point bull come up, and there was probably about 35 elk in this alfalfa field, and they were coming up over this, this rise, and the only thing I had to hide behind was a little sagebrush. And I'm hiding behind the sagebrush, and I got elk coming everywhere around me. This little five-point comes by, hooks us, this cow, she runs past me, and I can see this six-point come up, and I draw my bull, and he was probably only low 20s, and I guessed him for probably, you know, he was probably 22, and I shot my 30-pin at him because I was in the heat of the moment and everything going on, and he was uphill a little bit. I won lung dumb, kind of went in his back strap, and I, I was after that elk for two more days watching them, you know, laying around, could never get close enough for a shot again. Well, later that fall, me and Brandon were out in South Dakota shooting the same setup, and uh, he was, there was two good mule deer in a winter wheat field, and I told Brandon, they were there for like four days, never came out of that winter wheat field, and I told Brandon, I said, I think I know where they're going to leave. Give me 45 minutes to get around them. I'm going to get down in that creek, just go walk out in that field. I'm sitting there. Here comes these, uh, there's a bunch of does with him. Here yep. comes these two bucks. I pull back. I shoot, and I shot. I thought I hit the mule deer. Yeah. And I, I can't remember the yardage. Maybe it was 35 yards or whatever. Shot shot him. The other buck walks by me at like 20 yards. They go up the other hill, and I'm watching through the binos, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's no blood on that, that animal. And I misjudged the yardage again and shot right underneath them. And both of those animals, if I would have been shooting, and I was probably shooting 550 grain setup, 575 grain setup. If I would have been in that 430 to 450 range, both would have been on your walls. Yep. Yep. And that was kind of for me enough to get me to be like, you know, this isn't working out. Yeah. The penetration problems I'm having are either I hit too high and I'm going in the back straps or I'm hitting in the shoulder. Well, yeah. If I'm hitting the shoulder, I really don't think either one of those arrows are going to get me through an elk shoulder. Yep. Um, and if I'm hitting high, I probably got a better chance of putting it in the in the middle with a little more moderate setup. Exactly. So I I think that kind of explains. You <clears throat> yep. Know, it's a it's a perfect arrow. example of that. Um, the moderate arrow is so easy that we might as well just go to light arrow real quick. The positives of light arrow is it's going to be extremely fast. You're going to be on your average setups that we see in and out of the shop, you can touch those 300, 305, 310, 315, 
with a light aero build. So what does that get you? If we go back to kinetic energy, kinetic energy is speed squared times mass. So yes, you have a lighter arrow, but you have a faster arrow. Faster arrow, you're going to have more room. I don't say more room for error. You're going to have less drop at your longer distance shot. You're going to be able to be off, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're going to be able to be off 10 yards and yep. still be in the kill zone where maybe you're off three yards. Definitely and not your middle ranges. Okay, so the po- the triggers. positives of a light arrow, um, I don't really, I wouldn't say tuning is either. That's no, kind of a tuning can be yeah. harder too. Again, yep. anytime that you run an extremely fast arrow above three hundred feet per second, a fixed blade broadhead can be an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're doing. Negatives of a light arrow, you're going to have flimsier components yeah, yep. yep. i was gonna say it's not as strong you also have to Pen- worry about wind penetration wind you know yeah you, know, you got wind drift on a light arrow yeah ability to penetrate so you can get that arrow there a lot faster you know your your yardages are taken care of on there now when you say moderate like jake has already pointed out from 420 grains to 460 70 grains that's a moderate arrow build Correct me if what you're thinking, Jason. Well, for Dep- me, a moderate arrow board is, fi- yeah. Yeah. Okay. is 500 grains. All right. So, okay. <laughs> again, you're 33. You, you have a full-length shaft most yeah. of the time. All of that. Uh, so. Uh, nope. Uh, no? Access 260s. I have to cut. Okay. So, but in that, you're still going to have pretty good penetration. You're still going to have yardage. You're, you can still shoot pretty good speeds. Uh, you, you're, you're, if you're running a smaller diameter arrow, it can buck the wind a little bit better. And I think your component, um, you're, you're kind of, you can still run some very high quality components, but not being too heavy for most of us in the shop across the board, besides two guys that I know. And we also have a very accomplished traditional archer, um, up in Brainerd. We're all between four ten maybe and four eighty on on the standard. Some okay. The reason the three of us are on this podcast and nothing against the other guys is we take it to a completely different level. Just looking around right now in Jake's shop, there are however many arrows built. Like so take you gotta kinda take it with a grain of salt is what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. as far as studies go Good enough's never good enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's probably explains this table. <laughs> so the the positive there's there's not a lot of negatives to a moderate aerial build, and there's not a lot of you know pot, they they kind of just a neutral well, and I setup. Think, yeah, and I think some of it too is is what is your goal and what kind of hunter are you going to be? Because if I was in the whitetail woods and I was never going to shoot over twenty five yards, I'd probably bump up to a five hundred grain arrow. That wouldn't bother me. You one said bit. nothing over twenty five. Yeah, Is that what you said if it was me, yep. yep. Like if I was twenty five yard and in shooter, if I was going on a hog hunt where I was shooting hogs at fifteen or twenty yards, I'd probably shoot a heavier arrow. Yep. You know, like for that kind of stuff, I think it makes sense. You know, so I think it's, I think it's just like understanding the pluses and minuses of it and weighing out in your situation what you're doing, what is you know what is your objective that's number one. If your objective number one's penetration, you're probably going to err heavier. Mm-hmm. If your objective number one is 
you know, having the most forgiveness in your setup, you're probably yep. going to air lighter, you know? And I think, I think it's like a lot of things in life. Like there's that, that middle area where everything seems to kind of play nice, you know? Mm-hmm. The biggest deal, this is where we're going to, this is, this is the meat and potatoes of this podcast, right? Okay. Everybody asks, well, what do you shoot? I'll start first. I have at minimum, I have two builds. I have right now, um, my, I guess the, the faster of my two bows before I put arrows in them is a Matthews V3X 29. And I have a 505 grain total arrow build. I got a pretty decent, uh, insert outsert of 75 grains. I always shoot a hundred grains. I don't, I don't. And I always shoot mechanicals. I will not shoot a fixed blade unless I absolutely have to. We'll get into that fight in just a little bit. But that, that to me is a, 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 my draw length and my poundage, that's a pretty higher, my FOC is 13.6% if you care about that, 505 grains. But on that particular bow, I have a five pin fixed sight, 60 yards. I'm not shooting 60 yards. I'm not going to gap over 60. I know where my cutoff is. Um, it's super quiet. It's very, very accurate. The fletchings that I have on there, it's it's just a very solid build. Now, when I step over the border outside, even if I was in Minnesota and I hunt in early season over an alfalfa field or a food plot that's a little bit bigger, I have a faster bow at 75 pounds that's going to be in that 308 to 310 feet per second small diameter arrow that weighs 430 grains. And I'm shooting very small pin gap it's one of our custom black gold sites that i can drive down if i have to shoot longer distances but i can get the arrow there and i that and believe it or not that foc is right at like 11.8 foc so those are my builds okay jason your builds are a little bit different where i'm going with this in when we get done talking about it is there's pluses to everything and there's minuses to everything. But as long as your pluses are more than your negatives, you can be confident, like Jake said, in your setup. What are your, do you even, I know you have one of your bows done. Do you, are both of them or three of them ready or you just got one that's. <laughs> so I, I have one bow that's ready, but I'm playing around more with target indoor arrows, rip eights. HVs and okay, but when I do transition and start getting my hunting arrows ready, for me it's usually a rip TKO mm-hmm. with the standard insert, which is fifty grains. The or, fifty grain okay. standard insert, and then I will run anywhere from one to two back weights, and that with a hundred grain point will put me. One puts me almost exactly 500. Two will put me at 520. Okay. Um, I, so I don't really look at the FOC or even really the weight of my arrow. I don't care what the finished is. I more am building to a speed that it seems like every boy I've had, if I can keep it in that, mid to low 290s they seem to tune with any broadhead i want to shoot ultimately i usually will shoot 
a mechanical broadhead, but I always will work to get at least 80 yard accuracy with a fixed blade with that setup. I don't, you don't need to, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to make sure that no matter what broadhead I'm going to put on there, it's going to shoot very well at any yardage. And when I do head out in the woods, more than likely I'll probably have a mechanical, but I know that I've done my due diligence to make sure that that setup is flame perfect and giving it the best opportunity to, you know, do the job when it needs to do it. So, Jake, you, you kind of talked a little bit about your builds. Uh, do you have, you have one, I know for sure, ready. So it, it's kind of the wrong time of the year to talk it's about hard, our arrow builds because we, our target, we're going to shoot turkeys. It'll first. change five times before. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that knows me, is nothing is, is welded on my bow. So that's... It could change. Uh, and a lot of it will be what transpires and what what I end up doing this fall. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll for surely you know, do a couple different states for whitetails. So that'll probably be my main focus. I don't know. I don't know if I'll do any other out-of-state stuff other than that this fall. Um, so, like, my builds right now is, is all that I'll run probably is a RIP TKO 300 standard insert, lighted knock, um, shooting a big mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my comfort level with with whitetails gonna weigh 440 grains probably a little more more um just because with the lighted knock in it yeah i suppose it'll it'll get probably in that 450s uh, which i'm fine with that for whitetail setup and you're Um, shooting 70 pounds no 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 probably most of my setups end up 63 65 pounds something like that that's where I'm most comfortable, like, you know, on the range, 70s, no problem. Mm-hmm. But drawn when you're sitting, yeah, yeah sitting there in the cold all day. Hanging in a saddle or sitting in a... Yeah, exactly. I want to be able to, to draw back easier with it. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's dabble. We got two segments left of this that we haven't covered. Let's talk broadheads. And then let's talk fletchings on how to steer this arrow. Or we can go vice versa if you want to. Um my the reason i said broadheads first is because i'm going to fletch my arrow different for whatever broadheads i'm going to shoot you guys dabble with fixed blades um i don't i've tuned them just because i got put to the challenge you know (laughs) if i could which it it does take a little bit more time they fly different but i can i can figure it out and most most of your archers can um there's no right or wrong answer for anybody listening if you want to shoot a fixed blade by all means there are some phenomenal fixed blade broadheads out there if you want to shoot an expandable you have more choices and they're most apart easier to tune but there's you know there's positives and negatives to that it seems to me a lot of our heavy arrow guys and gals are shooting a fixed blade I should say not all of them, but most of them. The the big thing right now is a like a beveled, yeah, single bevel, two, two blade single bevel broadhead. Yeah, and I'll you know I'm probably the little bit the exception in that, to where, like, you know, for Missouri this year they don't have a a broadhead diameter, so I'm really contemplating going over two inches in a 
in a mechanical this year with it. And I'll, I'll bump my arrow weight up probably a little bit if I do that. Um, where, like, so you have more momentum yeah. when, you, when your bigger expandable robs a little bit of that energy? Yep, exactly. Where, if, you know, shooting a single bevel or a cut-on-contact type tip, I don't feel like I need quite as much arrow behind it because I don't have... Well, and it's proven. Um, we all have our spouse all shoot, and they've been successful. Um, when you're shooting lower poundage, less kinetic energy, less momentum, shorter draw lengths for the most part on women. Uh, anytime we lower that speed down, I say hands down a, a cut on contact fixed blade brought in. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, like my wife's had really good luck with, with cut on contact heads and also has had really good luck with small mechanicals. You know, she shot a red stag with a small mechanical no problem and she saw quite a few deer with them too and uh, i still probably have her shoot more mechanic her fixed heads than anything else but i don't think and i think, it, I think it's sizing that broadhead for the setup too. And like you're saying a lot of people don't understand that if you go back and listen to our grim reaper podcast there there's different size mechanical broadheads there's you know because most of all of grim reaper are over the top meaning the blades come back there's rage broadheads where it's a slip cam design they fold you know back to it and then your your g5 your mega meats and your whatever else that we carry on that they're different ways that they work but they're also like a, a two inch or two inch plus mechanical is different than an inch and three eighths well i mean it's yeah. you know try to push a knife that's a quarter inch thick through a hunk of meat and try to mm -hmm. push a hatchet head through <laughs> you know it takes more energy the bigger yep. it is yep so it, th that's another thing to look at when you're shooting mechanicals is there's different setups for different things um you know if i was going on an elk hunt i i have absolutely no problem bringing a mechanical on an elk hunt or if we went up caribou or even moose bear you know some thicker big robust animals but it's a smaller, like a, a Grim Reaper Pro Series, which is an inch yeah, and three and eighths. I, and I, for me, like I would shoot either. I, you know, I err towards a, a fixed head. And probably just because I feel like I have a little more options on, on quarter and angles. Or, you know, like on an elk, if you call an elk in and he's like coming face on at 10 yards. I know that's a... <laughs> That that brings some controversy take too, it. but yeah. take but, the front you know, shot. I mean, most guys right most guys are taking a front shot yeah. like that. But I think that's in a situation where that fixed head's going to help you out yeah, too. Going to be beneficial for you sure. know. I, I think it's no different than the arrow, is knowing your your setup and making yep. your choices on your shot angles and what's going on with that too. You know. And I know we're being safe right now, yeah. and people are going to say, "Okay, Wade." You went out and you said you'll never shoot a fixed blade. Why? Here's the reason. Me, I'm robbing accuracy with a fixed blade. Uh, I have to worry if I have to worry about wind in North Dakota. I don't want a fixed blade out there causing drag and, you know, deterring from where it's going to. And then also, I'm, I'm pretty adequate. I'm making sure my shots are good, but I mess up. I messed up, two, you know, two years ago. If you want to listen to that podcast, the story's there. You, you have... I, I like an animal to bleed. I want I want a big huge entrance hole and a and a big huge exit hole. Sometimes a fixed blade, in my mind, my opinion, you're gonna have less blood 
to follow. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, the reason I shoot big mechanicals for deer is I don't aim tight to the shoulder. You know, I think when you're aiming tight to the shoulder, if you go forward at all, so if you're forward at all, you're in the shoulder and then, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have a bad result. You know, I pull back four inches, five inches off the shoulder and I try to shoot them through the lungs. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about sometimes deer jump string or sometimes deer go forward or, you know, deer don't stand still like yep. a 3d target no nope. like the when you're just starting to you know the buck i shot this year i would just squeeze in the trigger off yeah and he's just taking a step forward yep. you know and i ended up one lung in liver in him he didn't go 50 yards and and he bedded up and i found him because he had a big huge wound of, channel yep and yeah. he would have you know he would have died either way with yeah. a small mechanical or, I mean, with a small fixed head. But with that fixed head, he probably would have made it farther before he got sick. Yep. And it probably would have been less blood to follow. Right. You know, and, and that's, for me, that's the reason I shoot a big mechanical because I feel like, you know, worst case scenario, if I hit him through the guts, I'm going to find that deer. I mean, if, if I hit him between the two shoulders and below the back straps, if I'm smart and I'm patient, I'm going to find that deer. And I, and I think that changes or becomes a lot tougher with a small fixed head. Yeah, it, it, it does. But I'm not saying <clears throat> I have no problem. I mean, I shoot no. fixed heads for, for elk because I know I'm getting more penetration with them. The, a perfect example. Uh, this goes against everything that I just said, but we have a very good customer. Um, his daughter, they have an extremely heavy arrow build. When I say extremely heavy for her, she's shooting... She started this whole process at 35 pounds. Now she's shooting 45. But when she started 35 pounds, she had a 670 grain arrow. 670 grain arrow. A huge 200 grain cut on contact, single bevel, fixed blade. She shot five deer in the last five years and is blown through. And she's shooting at that time. 30 pounds was the first two deer and then worked her way up. Still 45 pounds is not a whole lot. A pretty efficient bow. There's the there's the controversial argument, like proving me wrong. She's blown through every animal. She's found every animal within within a hundred yards. Minimal blood on some, yes, but the arrow was laying on the other side. She and these are all white tail. She has never ever taken a shot on any of those animals over seventeen yards. So she didn't have to worry about huge drop in her arrow. It was still maintaining speed, still carrying that momentum to go through. The thing about mechan- or fixed blade is they have to be sharp. Yeah. Well, that's any broadhead. You know? I mean, y- y- your yeah. mechanicals are usually hidden blades, you know, and, and like your tip. But the... I don't know. <laughs> you have to have a sharp, but that that's the, so that for the guys that like to shoot fix, there's a perfect story for you. Um, you know, my wife, she shoots a fixed blade, less poundage than some, but it, it works. I haven't, she hasn't got the penetration that we talk about. The fixed blade gets you, but we also, she's 24 and a half inch draw and 37 pounds. That's just what it is. You know, yeah, you're I, not going to get it. Yeah. And I, you know, my wife's done a lot of hunting with me. And it's always been like, how can we get as much speed out of her bow? Because, you know, any, especially mule deer hunting and things out west, like, becomes such a challenge at low 
draw weight, you know, low or little or short draw length. And, you know, that's where I think, you know, a a smaller or moderate size cut on contact in, you know, like a kudu head or something like a two blade with this two small bleeders is a great Mm -hmm. one because then I believe you can, you can drop that arrow weight down a little bit. You can still keep that. Or if you want to keep it heavy, you're, you're, you know, you just got to know the limitations of your setup. I mean, it comes down to a little bit of personal preference there for sure. Yeah. My wife shooting her first deer this year. Actually, I was, I was very impressed. We, I had pictures where I was drawing on them to where's the kill zone. Yep. We we had done techno hunt, which Wade got to, I, uh, got his target, target panic from. <laughs> And uh, when we were driving home, this was her first year that I took her out here. And we're driving home from that. And she's like, "Um, what does vitals mean? And I was like, ooh, we're going to start from scratch here. Yeah. So, but took my wife out this year. She shot her first deer. She missed it once. It actually came back into the food plot when another deer came. She took a shot. She was very excited. After missing the first one, she hit it in the shoulder blade. She went through the sholdered blade, ended up cutting the juggler and windpipe. And that was with a 367 grain VAP 400 with a single bevel. Okay. So I was at 43 pounds, 28 inch draw. Yep. I was actually very impressed with the penetration. But I think if we would have had to trail that deer because of the moving shoulder blades i don't think it would have bled at all i mean thankfully it almost died on the food plot it made one hop off the food plot so but i would no blood i would bring up one other reason that i like to have a fixed blade flying um and this would in in a whitetail situation is a crown blind and be able to shoot through the screens oh yeah like i'm in certain situations especially if i am tucked in tight in a food plot and i know that deer is going to spend a lot of time too uh, close to me like i do like to put the screens up because i think you can just get away with more they don't see as easy in there they don't see the black holes that doesn't you know they're not quite on edge so you know that's the other thing is is having a fixed head then and practicing with it to make sure it's hitting right on mm-hmm. but you know a yep. lot of times those fixed heads through the screens end up shooting right on and i and i i i love the way that manufacturers are making fixed blade broadheads nowadays um you know i'm i'm a very very big believer in tuning broadhead tuning uh, you see guys every year that will practice with field points and they're very accurate very accurate shooters out to even 60 70 80 yards and then they oh okay we're a week before and i'm gonna screw on this brand new package of fixed blade broadheads in there six inches to the right mm-hmm. a fixed blade broadhead will over exaggerate any flaws in your tune the way your arrow is flying because it creates surface area on the front of that arrow projectile that's going to so what it does is if i'm hitting okay i've screwed on my fixed blade broadhead and i'm six inches to the right and a little bit low that means that i have a tail left a little bit tail left tail high tear it just exaggerated the flaw so now i actually see it Mm -hmm. any vein will correct a field point that's why when you shoot bear shafts, no one ever screws a broadhead on a freaking arrow because there's surface area, there's no vein. Broadhead tuning, I said that wrong. Broadhead tuning is a cool thing, and it will it will help decrease your time of broadhead tuning. But that's why I don't like fixed blades is because 
yes, under 30 yards, there, if, as long as it's tuned well, you're going to have pretty good setup. But if you start talking 40, oh. 50, 60, 70. I've had a lot of mental breakdowns <laughs> before hunts trying to get fixed blades on, you know, where things aren't going right. And luckily now with being able to move cams as easy as you can, yeah, life's got a lot better because it's, you know, th- there was times there was just nothing you could do for, I mean, I mean, up until probably five years ago i mean there was well, there wasn't a lot you could do in a lot all you, of all you did was you moved your rest yeah moved your rest and then and you and sighted then, into broadhead then sooner or later you just you mm-hmm. threw the white towel up and moved your sight yeah bottom line is fixed blades are a commitment yep it is a time and tuning commitment especially if you want the confidence that we yeah. always mm-hmm. preach you know it, you yeah. got to be confident that you can hit that pop can at Whatever your dis, I say, yeah. if and people who argue with me on oh, ethical shot over sixty, well, if you're not confident, absolutely, but you you got to believe in what you're preaching, and then you also got to look at the other aspect of it. You know, if there's guys that feel confident at sixty and seventy yards, and they know they're well, set up in and out, none of us three would feel confident if we couldn't hit a softball at eighty yards with right with that yep. broadhead. You know, and I and just that's have and that's time. And, and that's why I think. You know, that's why I think all three of us realize the challenge in doing that with a broadhead, um, with a fixed head and, and air towards mechanicals at time for that. You know, and that's, I, I guess, we'll go back to one more point now, because, you know, now I, I've said, okay, this is why I carry a fixed blade whitetail hunting. Mm-hmm. Well, I do the opposite elk hunting, too. I actually carry fixed blades and mechanicals. And for a longer shot or windy shot, like I do, I do like to have a mechanical in my quiver. Um, and I'm also the guy that, you know, if I shoot an elk at 30 and he's standing at 140 and I got an arrow in him already, I know where my bow shoots because I'm going to put another one in him. Mm-hmm. So, and I respect what you're saying, but why wouldn't you have the same confidence in that mechanical at 30 yards? Just because I, I want to know on such a big animal that I'm getting every bit of penetration. Gotcha. I think so I'm just saying. I think like, it's more it, in my it, head. It, like I, I think okay. both of them would get it done. Yep. Um, but I just have a little more confidence in that situation, mm-hmm. knowing insane. knowing that in that big of an animal that, that you're you're basing it. it on penetration. Yep. You, that's okay. Yep. Because I'm gonna say like his bones don't get any weaker or stronger at 140 versus no. And don't okay. T- Back up. We're not taking the first shot at 140. No, yards. not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> you had to yeah. follow up. But yep. if the opportunity's there to put another hole in that animal, and you elk, take you it. need to. I mean, even sometimes muleys. Yeah. If you can get yeah. a chance to get down out of your stand, a okay. white tail. Yeah. If, if 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 I shoot a white tail and he stops again, yep. I'm shooting him again. Yep. Well, I mean, my bear last spring I shot. It was a four zero. Awesome, awesome video. You know. And every yeah. one of them was perfect. Yeah. Well, well close enough. Close enough. <laughs> he went down. But, you know, like, I'm not going to, if I can get another arrow in him, I'm going to get another arrow in him because I'm not going to later not find that animal and be like, oh, right. I guess I could have shot him again. Yep. Okay. So fixed blade, mechanical, do whatever you want to do. Just we love them both. Want, just no yeah. advantage. And it's and, what you have confidence. And in. shoot your goddamn mechanicals too. Yep. It's not yeah. like you shoot them all. Them. No, you, you have yeah. to shoot them. I've seen I've seen mechanicals. You know, 
hit three to four inches off either way too. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not infallible. There's I would rather see a guy come in and and buy another pack of broadheads just for practice than getting the uh, Sitka face mask or a pair of like. <laughs> yeah. Spend your money so that well, you and, know. And myself, like I shoot mechanicals that I know that can actually I can practice with too. Like, okay. Like I'm not going to get a hundred shots out of them. Yeah. But I know I can get 15 shots out of that broadhead mm-hmm. before it's junk. Cause there's other ones that I know I can get one or two and they break yep. in the target. And I won't do that because I won't be confident enough. Cause mm-hmm. uh, you know, I want to shoot them and shoot them multiple times and through the season. Like, yep. you know, like I like to, when I'm hunting every day, every couple days, at least shoot one arrow. If I'm not practicing, I'll shoot one of my broadheads just to make sure everything's on still. And uh, another thing, we're going to talk about fletchings now because I I love fletchings, like building the perfect arrow, and that's a big portion of it. Do you love fletching? Uh, not in the shop, no, but I like, I like <laughs> I fletching my say, own. You want to no, fletch mine? Yeah, I will. I'm going to put them all in some dumb color too. But anyways... A big thing with arrow builds is you want everything to be the same from arrow that's numbered number one to arrow number 12. And a lot of guys don't look at the aspect of sometimes, especially fixed blade, is you have to index your fixed blade. Or that's another podcast. But there, there's certain things. You want everything to be the same is what I'm getting at. Now, fletchings. You can do any kind of fletching. It's going to work to a certain aspect of it. Big question that we have is why are blazer veins so popular? Even before I started working with Archery Country, they were on every arrow ever made. Do you remember what we had before them? No. (laughs) That's why they were so popular. Because they were big four-inch veins. They were veins that were soft and folded over. Yeah, fletch easier. So a blazer vein is a very high profile short fletching mm-hmm. and usually in a three vein configuration from factory, right? The cool thing about uh, archery country is we have some arrow manufacturers that actually we can get a, a longer. That we do shorter, custom, custom yeah, archery yeah. country, custom stuff through. So there's nothing wrong with blazers. Um, there are certain veins on the market that are quieter. There's also certain veins on the market that are stiffer. Um, your vein is a very, very big part of your arrow build. You could spend all of this money and have a a super heavy arrow or a moderate arrow or a super light arrow. And if you don't take and look at what the vein configuration is, you're, you're really not doing anything for, for steering. The steering wheel is the vein. It corrects, corrects the arrow because an arrow doesn't fly even if we shoot a perfect bullet hole at eight yards or eight feet or wherever it may be, your arrow still moves. Look at a slow motion video of an arrow. That vein putting rotation on that arrow, making it spin fast, faster, more rotations per foot, is going to correct that arrow. So there's a ton of different options. You can get custom fletch, you can get factory fletch. Yeah, and I think too, like maybe a good way to approach this is you know, kind of like the heavy light arrow thing. So, you know, why, what happens when your vein's longer? What happens when your vein's higher? You know, the longer your vein is, the more drag you're going to have. Mm-hmm. You know, the higher profile your vein is, the more drag you're going to have. You know, shorten it up. I think, 
you know, the two inch vein being high profile and short, I, I would say the biggest advantage of that was it fletched is easy in the yep. two inch. Um, but the high profile, you know, gets to be more interference with the rest yep. hit your cables more. So those are your other things, you know, lower profile you have, you have less wind drag, but you have less steer. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why you're going to see target archers for outside setups in the wind, you know, having shorter, smaller veins. Yep. I, I think if you're going to shoot fixed blades, you have, if you're going to do a three fletch configuration, you run a three inch vein um, with a helical or an offset, whatever it may be. I, I would even lean towards the area of four fletching if I was, if I was going to set up that mechanical doesn't need as much but you still need some some steering on there you can run a little bit smaller that's where blazers kind of come in you know mechanicals they they fly really good but and we can custom fletch and we also have arrows that are already fletched you don't have to wait for them that are custom and then we also have blazers you know it's there's a plethora of options on that but it's things to look at um, and we can't skip over knocks. You know, you said multiple times in this podcast, lighted knocks are very, very cool. They're a phenomenon. And I think we carry some pretty good products where they're durable. Yeah. And I think, you know, I shoot lighted knocks, but it's a commitment for me to shoot lighted knocks with as fussy as I am with my setups. Like I won't shoot two lighted knocks and the rest standard knocks. Because knock fits different, tunes mm-hmm. different. You know, 20 yards, 30 yards, knock it probably... Yeah, yeah, 20, 30 yards, you can probably get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have everything perfect, like, I switch all all my hunting arrows, I switch them all out to lighted knocks. And I have six of them, or, eight, you know, like, after the years of shooting them, I have more than that. Mm-hmm. But I just leave the ones I practice with. I never turn them off. I just yep. let them die, you know. Just so the weight's the same, the knock fits the same, everything's the same, you know. And I think for guys that want to be shooting longer range and they want to have that accuracy, like I, I would argue, like set your your practice arrows up like your hunting arrows. Exactly. Don't don't. Uh, I shoot lighted knocks, especially in whitetail turkeys. Um, I don't do any video hunts, but it it, it gives me a reassurance. I have a pretty good idea where that when my release went off where the pin was, but then I can track it with both eyes open or one eyes closed, whatever. I can see in a general area where that arrow hit. And then you can argue, yes, you can find your arrow. Yeah, the finding arrow thing is a yeah. is a big deal though. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, because there's a lot of times I can't find my arrow till dark. Like I've had a lot of situations on a deer mm-hmm. where I couldn't find the arrow till dark. Dark and yep. there it is. It's under the grass. Or, you know, I shot at my fall turkey this year. And I shot it, and it skipped off into no man's land. And mm-hmm. once it got dark, it was like 75 yards right. behind it. And I would have never had a clue, you know. Yeah, two years ago when I shot that the wide load a second time, we, you know, we kind of, you can listen to the story again, but, like, we all go meet up. We leave the deer. Now, I knew it was a good hit. I knew where he died. I could almost hear him, you know, in a general area. I didn't have to follow a blood trail. I had a pink lighted knock that was still the air. I didn't pass through that deer, <laughs> but it was sticking up and it just so happened to like, Oh, <laughs> there he is. Well, let's follow the blood trail anyways. Mm. Well, I've had that happen. Fun. I've watched, you know, we had one deer in South Dakota. My wife shot one set. It, it made it about 200 yards before it exited the field and it was right at last light and 
shot the deer and stuck in it. You could see exactly where it went down into the river. And um, Another thing that I'm going to throw out there is I, I know that, that money is money, and we're not here to spend anybody's money, but a big, huge thing that's really caught on is, like, our 3D shoots, our fun-style shoots that we have, one in Pillager and one in Kimball. We, we lengthen our yardage out. So even guys that are not comfortable in a hunting situation shooting past 50 – they can go have fun. You can practice out past that. This day in archery is you are going to run into having a couple different arrow builds in certain situations. Uh, for practice, for these fun style shoots, for the tack style shoots, you know, wherever you may go, you may not want to shoot your 600 grain arrow setup that you're going to have with a lighted knock. and you know, Or it might brain. be the perfect place to run that setup and see... Well, it could prove, see, yeah, it okay, could yeah, this stuff. is going to work for me or this isn't, you know, and I think that's another, I would, I would argue if that's what you're going to hunt with, like you should run it through that course at some time or some, some, you should run it through something other than your backyard before you're, you're saying there. go to like a 3d shoot well, one of these yep. 3d shoots and just see and see what your and, and, and what i'm saying is there's going to be some of those guys that can't reach past yeah. 70 yep. so well, okay then just walk up to yeah. another stake you know yep. if you know your limitation then by all means do it but it's going to prove some stuff to you really really quick uh if you got a little bit of wind like we shot last year in pillager there mm. you coming off the lake there I, I'm pretty sure I would have liked to have my hunting arrow in <laughs> yeah. some of them situations instead of my light little field arrow, you know. And in Kimball, we actually, we talk about some degree, some incline, some decline. A heavy arrow is going to act a little bit different than a light arrow. So if you have an elk hunt or a muley hunt in the canyons out west where you might have some angled shots, it's things you're going to want to practice on that. And, yeah, and, and I would too, like, you know, like things I do with, with my hunting setups, is I have my elk 3D target or my deer 3D target, and I don't just shoot them at, you know, if it's 40 yards, I just don't shoot my 40-yard pin at 40. I shoot my 40-yard pin at 45 and see, okay, am I still in the kill zone if I'm off five, you know, and then I shoot it at seven, okay? If I'm off seven yards, am I still in the kill zone? So you get to know that arrow setup too and know, okay, if I shoot, you know, this is my other arrow setup, okay, I gained two more yards of forgiveness here than, than with my other one. And I think it also helps not just in like, oh, I can screw up this far, but, you know, I'm sitting in my deer stand and I have a single pin sight and I've played around and I know that I got seven yards. Mm -hmm. Well, I might put my sight pin at 27 yards now instead of 20, and now I can shoot from 32 yards and in and still be in the kill zone. So I think, you know, playing around with that setup and figuring out where your ballistics are, what's going yeah. on, you know, that, that's the only way you get to know what works for you. And, and it's, I, you know, I completely overlooked that. And I think sometimes it's, it's like us three sitting here, that's a perfect example for guys that pin gap. Uh, if you're running a fixed pin, even if it's a driver, let's say you have like on our custom black gold, there's four pins, 20, 30, 40, 50, and you stand at 43 yards. And are you pin gapping or are you holding high with a 40? You know, you need to put yourself in that situation so that you are more confident. Yeah, I like to figure out how I can screw up more and <laughs> yeah. still have success. Yep. And I think the biggest thing, because it, there's no arguing when it becomes a hunting situation and you're pulling out, you're going to be jarred. You're going to be flustered. You're going to not think things through very, very quick. 
in a situation like that. But if you have the confidence and you can slow down ever so slightly just to say, I'm just fine. I know where that arrow is going to impact if the pin is there. You're going to be a more successful. You're going to get more enjoyment out of it in a roundabout way. That's going to make you a better archer in all. In all. And that's what I think most of everybody here and everybody that's listening is striving for. Yeah. And, and end of the day, you know, a lot of this has been our own personal opinion. Our job is to build exactly what you want. Like, that's really what we want. We don't want to build the same setup as us, unless that's what you want is what we're, we're shooting. Mm-hmm. If you want an 800 grain setup, we want to build you the best 800 grain setup you're going to have for your years setup. If you want a 330 grain setup, we're going to build you the best 330 grain setup. I think the big thing with this, we just want people to understand why, and then, you know, maybe why we think where we are, try to give our insight. And I think that's a great thing. When you come into any of our three locations, there's a diversity, you know, there's usually three to four guys on and not one of them are the same. Like we're not required to shoot the same weight arrows. We're not required to see a fixed blade versus a mechanical. There's going to be one of the pros in that shop that, hey, I want to shoot a heavy arrow build with a fixed blade broadhead. Who do I talk to? We all have the knowledge, but I can actually give you a guy that can tell you a story and show you pictures and see why it is. And exactly what you said, we do not care what you want to do, but we care about making it the best for that situation. And we can lay out some situations as well, you know, where you're going to run into it. We kind of covered everything, I think, unless you guys want to argue a little bit more. Uh, we would definitely argue, probably getting into a fight too once we turn this off. <laughs> but I think this gives a lot of our listeners a little bit more insight, especially when we break down what an arrow is. Uh, it's a very important part of your setup. It's something that sometimes gets overlooked, and that's okay. If well, you, it's, if it's something fun. we probably think about too much. Yeah, it's a sickness. It's called a rabbit hole, and we're we'll never ever get out of it. But that's you need some people like that in your corner, you know, so you don't have to go through the rigmarole and spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars experimenting. We can kind of narrow it down just a little bit. And if you are the guy that wants to experiment or gal, by all means, we got everything for you. Uh, we carry a plethora of very high quality arrows we carry a wide variety of not only components that come from the factory but also components that we like we carry ethics and then we have i i've never seen a place that has more broadhead selection than we have so we have everything for everybody um custom arrow builds we can do it we can set you up and when i say custom like i mean there's so many things that you can do but we'll take the time to make it right. And then tuning your bow will help you out with that as well. You guys good? Yeah. I think we're good. I think okay. we're good. I think you can, for anybody listening, they can, you know, stop in our stores. They can get on our live chat feature on yeah. our website. Online chat now. Yeah. Um, they can give us a call, you know, because there's a lot of guys, too, that we help that that don't have access to the kind of stores that we have in their area too. Mm-hmm. And we're also there. They can call us up and we can help them out and, and yep. work through a lot of these things with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to, to call the shops and we'll sit and we'll take time and we'll talk you through it and going through it. And even, even if we have to build them and ship them, you know, yep, we can take time. 
Guys, it has been awesome. I think uh, I think we covered a lot. I think this is this is the knowledgeable setup. You know, we have the right guys in the right situations, and there's going to be some situations where we failed. I'll be the first to admit it. I messed up on you know a setup, and and I learned from it. And you can you can learn from our mistakes. You don't have to make the same mistakes. But we're here for you. Uh, also, uh, you can check out. There's a lot of arrow builds and arrow manufacturers on our youtube channel uh nate's doing a great job on that along with all the guys kind of telling you the breakdown so you can actually physically see what we're talking about a little bit and there's a lot more youtube videos coming out subscribe to that if you haven't done also and then also get on our website and hook us up on behalf of everybody at archery country podcast we appreciate everybody listening in and we'll see you on down the road Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.